0: April 18th, 2023, we're in Masechet Betza and Af Yodalid Amud Bet if you count up eight lines from the t- bottom of the Amud, at the very beginning of the Gemara here, the last time the Gemara is uh, creeping up on this page. Uh, it's, uh, the first word, of course, is Bishlama. Now, the context is uh, briefly important. The Mishnah was talking about situations where it's permitted on Yom Tov to send clothing to another person. And the kalal, the principle of the matter with regards to permissibility is if it's going to have a usage, a constructive usage for the person that you're sending to on Yom Tov. If you're not, then the sending seems like a weekday activity. Why are you sending it to them? Might be a commercial activity, it might be whatever it is, it's just wrongful with regards to sending it to them. And as a result, the Mishnah delineated it, uh, clarified some of those permitted situations and others which are forbidden. The Mishnah told us that you're allowed to send clothing whether they're sewed already that's called tifurin or even if they're not sewed already they're enan tefurim Mishra continued, said even if even if the clothing which you're sending has sha'atnez in it, there's a mixture of wool and linen, which of course is forbidden to be worn, you're allowed to send it. Of course, that's going to be, as we mentioned yesterday, the first question the Gemara will pick up on, what are you talking about? If the principle of the matter is that the person who's receiving this present needs to be able to use it on Yom Tob, well clothing which has kilayim, which has shaatnez in it is not for, not permitted. How's it permitted in turn to send? Says the Gemara It starts with what's understood in the Mishnah. Bishlama means it's understood. Milashon Shalem, it's complete, it's, it's settled. Tefurin. if you send clothing which are already sewed, finished in terms of being sewed, Hazule Malbush, they're appropriately worn. Malbush milashon levisha, to wear something, they can be worn, that's regular clothing. She'en tefurin means also, even if the clothing isn't sewn already, you can u- still use that fabric constructively and purposefully on the holiday, Hazul Kasuye. kisuyeh of course means cover, and as a result, the statement here in the Gemara is that uh, even if the clothing isn't fully sewn already, S-E-W And it still can be used as a kisui, the person can cover themselves in it, uh, both when they're lying down as a blanket, but as well as when they're walking, they could uh, put it over their back or over their head. Uh, Those two we understand, but there's a forbidden circumstance, Ela, the first of the wide lines here in the Gemara, kilayim lemay hazu, that's a rhetorical question, lemay means for what, hazu means is it appropriate. If you uh, give a person a present of clothing which has in it kilayim, well, what's it going to be used for? And if it can't be used for something, then it's inappropriate in Asur mid Rabbanan, rabbinically speaking, to send on Yom Tov. You a kilayim ever? Why not? You can, uh, bed, you a to Tell him that it's kilayim. Well, the issue specifically is there's no usage for him over here. It says the Gemara, "Vechite ma?" Perhaps you'll say, "Hazul lememach tuteh." Hazu, it's appropriate; it can be used. Lememach, lememach. Rashi says, "Lichpol." Lichpol milashon kefil means to double. Other girsaot in Rashi have Likpol, with a kof. And Likpol means to fold. Effectively, it means the same thing. You fold and you double something up by folding it. Tuteh means underneath him, which means to say maybe this can be used as carpeting, maybe it can be used as sheets, maybe it can be used not to cover the person and provide hana'ah, benefit and pleasure through himum, through uh, giving them uh, protection and, and heat uh, by it being a clothing or a blanket, but it could be something that goes underneath them. After all, the Pesukim and the Torah, which we mentioned yesterday in Vayikra Perek and Devarim uh, describe how you're not allowed to have on you, you're not allowed to wear or put on top of you clothing and the understanding of the Rabbis in Masechit which we mentioned yesterday on Dafdalet is that you're not allowed to have Hana'at Himum, you're not allowed to have benefit from the warmth which it provides. But ultimately speaking, if it's underneath you then, we've avoided, we found a loophole in the usage of kilayim. So the fact that I'm sending the person this garment on Yom Tov, you look at it and say, ah, he must be putting it on. No, 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 no. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to make clear, no lifnei this is kilayim. I'll put a stitching on it, which makes it clear. Uh, you can't put this on you, but you could be uh, folding it underneath you. You could use it as carpeting or cover for your couch or on your bed. Says the Gemara, but even that should be forbidden. Or what, why should that be forbidden? I just told you the Pesukim in the Torah. I just made clear the Yisur is specific. It's about having it on top of you. It's when it provides warmth for you. The Hatanya, didn't we learn in a Beraita? Lo Alecha. This is one of those two Pesukim in the Torah, the Pasukim Parashat Kedoshim. says you should not have coming on top of you kilayim aval continues the Biraita and explains, pay careful attention to those words, they shouldn't come on top of you, aval oh, So far, so good, this isn't a question. Lehatsiyah means to spread out. You're allowed to spread out underneath you, kilayim sha'atnez. You're allowed to benefit from it if it's underneath you. Well, that being the case, we've settled it. The reason you're sending to this person kilayim and it's permitted according to our Mishnah is because they can use it. How are they going to use it? They'll put it underneath them. Continues the Beraitan, it says, but not so fast. That might be according to the Torah. The strict letter of the law, according to the Torah, is you're not allowed to have it on top of you. But mid rabbinically speaking, the rabbi stated, Asur you're not allowed to even have it underneath you as a carpet, as a, as a covering to your couch or your bed. Shemeh, the fear of the rabbis was perhaps... Tikarekh lo nima al besaro. Nima means a strand. Maybe a strand will, be, will stick out and in turn will tie itself around you or connect itself to your, uh, to your flesh, to your body, and it will be a problem of an isur of Sha'ad Mez min ha-Torah. Effectively, before we deal with the details, specifically with this isur, we're stuck. The Gemara's question is now a standing question. We were wondering, how is it, why is it that it should be permitted to send to a person on Yom Tov a Begichil Kil'ayim, clothing which has in it Cha'atnez? I said, after all, the Kilal of the Mishnah was Mimenu Tov. It needs to be something that you can adorn yourself, something you can use on Yom Tov. Uh, we understood if it's clothing which wasn't, uh, wasn't sewed, I still understand, you can put it on top of you. You can't put it on top of you. The suggestion was, maybe you'll put it underneath you. Uh, maybe you'll put, you'll put it, you'll put it underneath the person. And as a result, that's what's permitted, to fold it up underneath. As the Gemara, but Beraita tells us, the rabbis explicitly, on that case, forbade it. Let's pause for a second and understand the rationale of the rabbis. Their rationale is spelled out somewhat clearly. It's a gezerah shemeh It's a fear. It's a restriction to make certain that if there's a strand which is sticking out, it won't come around your flesh. Is that really going to provide you warmth? I mean, if there's one strand that sticks out and it comes around you or touches you, it's primarily it's underneath you. You're not really benefiting all that much from it, are you? And the but it's not really a bigot. It's it's, it's it's underneath you. Now it doesn't per se need to be a bigot. We said a bigotcheno tafur is asura as well. Um, but what's the, uh, so what's the issue? Rashi on the left hand side suggests one of two explanations. He doesn't explicitly tell you this is what's bothering him. I'm explaining to you this is the background. It's the Gemaraim, Masechet, Vamot and Daftaled, which tells us that the only circumstance where there's any sur of kilayim is if you're getting hanat himum, if you're benefiting from the warmth that it provides. says Rashi, v'shemeti lo nima, gedolim, and sometimes there are thick, or long strands, that's thick and long. Kigon, For example, he gives us uh, for example, specific types of strands that come out of particular garments. So that's Rashi, yeah, you'll find such a case. I don't know, I'm imagining yarn of some sort. It's a thick and long yarn. If that's sticking out, I know it's not really warming you all that much, but imagine it's, I don't know, cashmere uh, yarn and it's a little it's bit thick. Rigid, it certainly can't be rigid because the Gemara will in just a few lines but tell us if it's rigid, then you don't have any. But at this point, we're dealing with something that's uh, not rigid. It's long, it's thick, says Rashi. It gives the possibility, say the rabbis, of giving you warmth and some benefit. Asur. You're not allowed to under any circumstance have that. Uh, garment have that fabric which is made of shahadnez underneath you. Rashi gives a different explanation. Inname alternatively nima be'alma uh, the fear is not per se that there's going to be thick and long strands uh, even a small little strand oh, what are you talking about? it's not giving hanat himum kevan di'ikar habeged mehanehu since ultimately speaking, it's quite a Hidush of Rashi, Rashi says, since ultimately speaking, the garment underneath you is providing some warmth. After all, why are you putting it there for comfort, for something that it's providing you? Since there's now a strand that sticks out and comes on top of you, that's sufficient to look at the Pasuk in the Torah and say, you see not only is it on top of you, but you're getting benefit from it. Now, it's true, the benefit is not per se because it's on top of you, but it's so to speak, now that it's on top of you, you say, this garment, which was giving me benefit, according to the Torah that was permitted, but now that it's on top of me, even just one strand makes it forbidden. Either way you slice it with regards to these two explanations of Rashi, we're stuck here in our Gemara. Our Gemara is, is very, very much stuck. How come our Mishnah permitted sending a Beget Shilkilaim on Yom Top if ostensibly there's no usage that the person who receives it can have? Says the Gemara. The answer seems to be yes right now. I'll give it uh, about three seconds. <laughs> well, I don't know, no. he's asking, you could use it for other things. He said you could use it as a curtain. Uh, so give it a line or two in the Gemara. It says the Gemara V'chitema, maybe you'll claim mafsik, Mide Bene Bene. Maybe the circumstances that Mafsik means to separate, Mide means something, Bene, bene, we know the word ben means in-between. That's why we refer to true knowledge or higher level thought as bina. Bina means you understand the in-betweens. I don't understand just what's presented to me. I can read between the lines. I'm a navon, if I am. All right, so maybe says the Gemara, maybe the circumstances, I send it to him, and I say, listen, this will be a beautiful uh, covering to your couch or to your mattress, but put something in-between. Now there's no fear that there'll be a strand which comes out. Now there's no issue, even And that's why you can send it to him on Yom Tov. Says the Gemara, it's not so. The Rabbis were very strict and stringent to the extent that Princess and the Pea makes its place over here in the Gemara. The shimon ben pazi amar bi ben levi amar bi ben shaul amar bi We'll return to that uh, name in a second. Even if there are ten mattresses, one stacked on top of the other, and on the bottom of all these mattresses, there's something of Kilayim of Sha'atnez. You're not allowed to lie even on the top of them. That's why I say Princess and the Pea. You're supposed to be, so to speak, Midrabbanan, feeling it. Of course, the Pea at the bottom of those mattresses was or is felt by someone of royalty. The statement over here is the this rabbinic enactment is in place irrespective of whether you have something separating. What's the reasoning? Well, the reasoning seems clear. The rabbis are nervous that they'll become uh, confused and become lax in this circumstance. And as a result, it's all prohibited. So we're still stuck. We still don't have an explanation here in our Gemara for the Mishnah. We suggested maybe you're putting it underneath, not on top of you. You don't have an issue of the, uh, an issue of the isur of Kilaim being maale alecha, placing it on top of you. You don't have an issue of Hana'at himum. Um, even though the rabbis forbade putting it underneath you, maybe if you had a separation, that should permit it. It says the Gemara, it's not so. We have a statement clearly that it's forbidden. Rashi, last narrow line in Rashi, what does it mean? It's separating something. There's something that you placed in between. Why is it asur? Why is it prohibited to lie on top of them? Asur lishan alihem, says Rashi, midrbanan, it's rabbinically speaking prohibited. Right, so that's what the Gemara right now again is still stuck at. We've moved it forward a little bit and then pushed it right back. Can't understand, back to the square one. Our Mishnah told us that you're allowed to send a beget shil on Yom Tob, a garment which is made of sha'atnez, of sim and Pishtim on Yom Tob. Why should that be permitted? Wool and linen, which is interwoven, which is a, which is in one garment, is forbidden. Uh, you can't find a case, says the Gemara, where it's permitted, says the Gemara. Ela, at the end of the second to last line of the Gemara, uh, perhaps the circumstance is a curtain. In other words, it's not being worn at all. It's being used as a separating device. I put it at my door. I put it to separate between uh, compartments in my room. I put it for whatever reason, but I'm hanging it. I'm not per se. Um, uh, there's there's no fear at this point. We assume even midraban that we, I'm going to come close to it and there's going to be a strand which wraps itself around and goes on me. That's why it's permitted. Vilon in such uh-huh. a Rashi. Vilon sherau leforso kenegeta petah. You're it's, you can use it. As, uh, as privacy, as a privacy device. Now, that's what the Gemara suggests at this moment. I want to take a moment just to pay attention on the last line, the Gemara, in quoting that statement, that even if the Sha'adnez is underneath 10 mattresses, it quoted in the name of many rabbis, ultimately speaking, finding its source in, three lines from the bottom, kihilak kaddisha de You saw those words, kihilak kaddisha. Oftentimes, until today, when we refer to a congregation, you'll see it, it says, kof kof. Kovkov, Mikdash Elial Kovkov, Shahrez Yon Kov I don't know. All Kov stands for Kihila Kadisha. Khila Kadisha is the way we refer to ourselves as a holy congregation. This is the sourcing we have in Talmud for those words of Kihila Kadisha. Why were and who were these individuals? it's a little bit of mystery. Their, their names appear later in our Masechet. Um, the name that this uh, description is in the, in the first chapter of, the second of and second perech of Masechet Berachot. You have it in several places. The Gemara in Talmud Yerushalmi in Maaseh Sheni gives two names as to rabbis who were a part of them. But what was significant about them? Who were they? We have a tradition from the Geonim that one of two things distinguished these people who lived in Jerusalem and made them uh, historically known as Kihila Kadishah, either uh, they followed what the Gemarati toward the end of the first chapter of Masyachet Kiddushin says the ideal way of studying Torah. You're supposed to ideally split your day into threes, into thirds. You're supposed to have a third in uh, Torah, Shebikhtav, a third in Mishnah, and a third in Talmud. So that's the way you're supposed to split your day appropriately. And as a result, since they did so, Kadisha, it's not simple, we don't all do that. Appropriately, Tosafot there, by the way, says, well, what about us? I was talking from the Ba'alei HaTosafot. I said, oh, do you learn Talmud? I say, Talmud is all in mesh. It gives you those thirds all built into it. You have Pesukim, you have Mishnah, you have all in, in it. But maybe that was what distinguished them. But uh, always what uh, what was more remarkable for me is the other description his, uh, in, in terms of our tradition, why they were known as Kihila Kadishah. It's because they used to work during the months of the winter and they used to study Torah excuse me they used to work during the months of the summer and they used to study Torah and dedicate themselves during the months of the winter which is an amazing statement you'd imagine at least I would as a as a simpleton I would say the reason they're Kila Kadisha, they dedicated themselves entirely to Talmud Torah that's what made them Kadosh the statement of the Gemara is you want to know what distinguished these individuals they worked during the summer they were oskim b'malachtam during the kait, and they studied Torah during the winter. Why does that call them? Why does that give them the appellation, the description as Kehillah Kadisha? I think it has something to do with what Kedushah truly is. We sometimes delude ourselves and assume Kedushah means I'm altogether separated from everything. We know Kedushah means to be separate. So based on the Midrash sites at the beginning of Parashat Kedoshim, perushim Min HaArayot To be kadosh means to be separated. What does it mean to be separate? Separated means I have no engagement with the other side? Well, then I'm not separated per se at all from it. I'm just apart entirely. To separate is like the Torah told us in this past week's parasha, to be mavedil, to be consistently separating, means that I'm able to discern, it means I'm able to take matters which are profane and say, this is profane and this is kadosh. The more I'm able to do that, the more I appreciate something that's kadosh. I mean, we talk about hakadosh baruch Hu, we can't understand them at all. The more we analyze this world, say many of our, uh, our our great philosophers and Jewish thinkers, the more we understand borei olam, but that's not him, but the more you understand What's not him, the more you ironically understand who he is. It's for that reason that the Gemara, Masech Berachot and daf presents the opinion of Rabbi Ishmael against Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. The Gemara over there has Rabbi Ishmael who says, the Pasuk says, says in Kiriyachimah, we read it every day, you're supposed to go out into the field and collect your harvest and your, and your grains and so on and so forth. This is that's how you're supposed to learn Torah. You're supposed to be involved in this world, but then approaching it from a Torah perspective Bishimon ben Yochai says how are you going to do that? It's not going to happen you're going to be working in the field in the business place you're never Torah matahayaleh you're never going to have an opportunity to study Torah the Gemara ultimately speaking seems to tell us the only way to do this right is to be Ishmael Bishimon ben Yochai is for the elite very few what does that mean? do none of us have access to Kedushah unless that is the definition of Kedushah, unless Kihila Kaddisha is defined as those who go into the whole and are able to appreciate nonetheless and better than those who are only in quote unquote the domain of Kiddushah. To the extent that it means that if I can then go back into the whole, I could transform it into Kodesh. The only person who can do it best taking Hol and transforming it into Kodesh which is what the Torah tells us to do consistently as a person who knows what Hol and what Kodesh is. You need to be able to be mavdil, to distinguish and separate and realize these are separate domains, but at the same time, since I have an appreciation for both, it means my study of Torah is now dictating what I'm doing in my business. That's the kihila kadisha, as I understand it. It's those who are osik b'melachtan b'mot ve'oskim b'torah b'mot Okay, anyway, says the Gemara, so maybe we saw, our Mishnah, we're talking about vilon. We're talking about a circumstance, a situation where the curtain is what separates and can be used even if it's made of, of sha'adnez, of Kilaim says the Gemara, that won't even suffice as an answer. Bottom line, mi penema amru vilon tameh. Why is it that the Mishnah tells us elsewhere that a vilon, a curtain, is tameh, it's mekabel tum'ah which means to say it's susceptible to ritual impurity. Uh, That would be defined as something that's usable. A curtain is not usable. A curtain is usable just to be hung up. You're not using it as a utensil. You don't say, I use the door, I have the door. The door uses itself. How do you use a curtain? Because sometimes you'll have a butler, you'll have a servant, you'll have someone who works in the home, and they'll come close as they're standing next to that, um, that curtain, they'll kind of wrap themselves to get some warmth in it, you see? A curtain could and is used as a utensil. If it could be and is used as a utensil, we now bring it back to our issue. It should therefore have a problem of sha'at riz. And if it has a potential problem of shatnez, it means that the rabbis are not interested. The same way they're not interested in putting the shatnez underneath the ten mattresses, if it can be used as a curtain in a way that a person would use it in order to give themselves warmth, they would tell you not to use it in that fashion either. Which means, in turn, last stage over here, you can't and shouldn't be able to send it as a present on Yom Tov. What usage does it have? That's permitted. Again, shatnez, we thought if it's as a curtain, Curtain, as Jeffrey, as the Gemara suggested, as a vilon, it should be permitted. I should be permitted, I'm not going to be having any problematic usages in that circumstance. And as a result, the rabbi should permit it. Rabbis wouldn't permit it. The same way they suggested and stated that a vilon is mekabel tumah, susceptible to tumah, because hashamash mithamim kinegdo. The person who's working in the home, and by extension, children and anyone else who's just hanging out, would then wrap themselves in it. Well, that means that it's mikkabil Tumah. It means in turn, the rabbis would say, don't hang it up. That's susceptible to shatnez. It means lastly, you cannot and should not be sending it on Yom Tov. So why does the Mishnah say you're allowed to? Rashi, mipenema amru vilon tamem, Mekabel Tumah, velo asa'uhu k'eachad memechisot bait she'einam mekabelot Why is a curtain Mekabel Why is it susceptible to impurity? We say that only about items which are used by us. Mepene shaman a a person who works says he wraps himself with the bottom of the curtain therefore it's considered a utensil and if that's the case you cannot create it and craft it out of Yes that's, that's, I mean, provided that, pro, pro, well, provided that it's made of the right utensils. I mean, you know, these matters today are still relevant in the context of a woman who's maybe a nida. So there are other things, but that's, that's the first. That's the first description. I mean, Correct. That's right. But we're not talking about using anyom to, we're talking about sending it as a present. All shadness is asur even anyom to, unhol. The point is since it's Asur, even on whole, and by extension Shabbat, you can and should not be able to send it. Tosafot has difficulty with a Gemara, with a Mishnah and a Gemara, elsewhere, which took yes, that wasn't, if anything. But the Hidush is you not allowed to send it as a present. Of course you not allowed to use it. Our Mishnah... So what? what, I'm not using it. So what is he using? I'll sell it, I'll sell it. Why not? I can't have hana'at himum, right? Yes. So that being the case, Tosafot asks a question from elsewhere that the Mishnah the Mishnah, the Gemara deals with the parochet in the Mishkan, the parochet in the Mishkan, which is of course the separating curtain. uh, The the description is you would have three hundred kohanim, which would, uh, when it would get tameh, would deal with it in terms of making it tahor. They would have to dip it and uh, and deal and, and go through a process of purification. Wait a second, questions Tosafot implicitly. I thought the only way that it's mikabel Tumah is because the shamash, because the person who's working might wrap himself in it. Everything in the Mishkan is Asur Bahana'ah. You're not allowed to wrap yourself in it. Since there's no tendency, no ability to wrap yourself in it, it shouldn't be mikabel Tumah. Why? But it's, just, it's Asur. But it's Ah, but we should preclude that from the imagination. The only issue, the only time I say, you have an ability to do anything with anything, it has no usage in that respect. Tosafot suggests one of two answers. One answer, so, Tosafot suggests, is that since it's ma'ahil, since the gemara and Masechet tzuka, and Avzayin says uh, from the pasuk, vesakota, that the pasuk says that the parochit somehow hovered above, like sechach, of the Mishkan, so it wasn't just a separator, it also then was kind of folded on top, that would make it like an ohil of sorts, and since it was like a covering in, a, in, in that respect, it was susceptible to tumah because of its usage as such. Alternatively, Tosafot says from elsewhere that the uh, Kohanim used to wrap some of the utensils in the parochet as they would move. And uh, by wrapping it, it means it had a usage in that respect. That's why it was considered in the Mishkan that parochet, a keli ha But ultimately speaking, we're stuck now in our Gemara. Back to the Mishnah. Why does the Mishnah tell us that a person is permitted to send a keli, sheesh bo kilaim, on Yom Tob? You can't tell me it's because it's a, being used as a vilon, as a curtain. We have an explicit statement that curtains are even forbidden. Why is the statement here on the bottom line is not talking about sha'at-nez. the statement here on the bottom line is talking about a keli is it considered a utensil for it being susceptible to tum'ah We, in our Gemara, looked at that and said, oh, you see, if it's susceptible to Tumat because it has a usage, it means the rabbis would say it's forbidden to make Sha'anez with it as well. We had an application in that respect. So that's how... That's right, that's right. Now, Tosafot does quote at the end from Bahag, he has a different version, his understanding is the statement and it answers your question in turn, that the statement in the Gemara, Mi pe'ne ma amru vilon tame, is a reference to Sha'atnez, it's a difficult reading. The word Tameh, as Rashi points out to us, means it's susceptible to tumah. It means it's Torat Keli. Furthermore, says Tosafot, we have no such statement that's what we're suggesting in our Gemara. That's why Tosafot is dealing with this issue. All right, that's the question, says the Gemara. Rather, top of a daftet vava, mudalef, this case must be in our Mishnah when clothing or garments are being sent that have sha'atnez in them, we couldn't find any permitted usage. There is a usage. The usage is if the type of garment is a stiff garment, is a garment that's rigid in a certain respect or hard, then it's permitted. Why, Why yeah, should I it be, be permitted? Why? 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 I don't know yet, Morris. You're ahead of the game. Rashi, big kashin, kashin, she'en Apparently, Rabbi, there's no warmth which is provided. By the, or, or not a requisite warmth, which is halakhically problematic, by a, a garment which is a, a fabric or sewed in a way that it's rigid, it doesn't provide warmth. Uh-huh. Mutar says Rashi, Morris, alehim. you're allowed to sit on it. Okay, it means, seems from Rashi for one reason or another, hold that thought, Morris, it's permitted. Now Rashi doesn't say because although he might imply it, he doesn't say because we're not fearing that the strand will come on for one reason or another. It just says it's not mit and as a result, it's permitted. Again, of course, it means it's only permitted, uh, we had an issue potentially mid Banan. let's review this. Min torah you only can't put it on top of you. Rabbinically speaking, you can't put it beneath you. It means that the rabbi's permitted this. Tosafot's interpretation of Rashi over here is, the reason it's permitted is because this whole issue was a rabbinic issue in the first place, and since it's already not providing warmth even while underneath you, uh, so they permit it. There might be a strand that comes out, Tosafot kind of implied. That's not a problem, it wasn't providing warmth anyway in the first place. Alternatively, Rabbi Hananel on the left-hand side of the Gemara suggests uh, similarly, to, uh, similar, I think, to the way Nathan was suggesting a moment ago. So since it's rigid and since it's strong and, and, and standing in its place, we have less of a fear that any strands will come out. It's kind of stuck in its place, that's what it affects. Either way you interpret it, it means that our Gemara then has resolved this. Our Gemara has suggested for us that the case in our Mishnah which was referred to with regards to sending kilayim, a big a keli, show on Yom Tob, must be talking about one where it's a strong, hard fabric in the way it's that it's- a fabric for chairs, we right now, these made out of an issue. We would have to define what kashi means fully, we'd have to objectify that, but the answer effectively is yes. Uh, do I know that every circumstance has well-known stories of great rabbis? under the Stipe Ligaon, that was the father of Reb Chaim The famous story is he was standing guard in a brutal winter night in Russia. He had to be; he was enlisted against his will into the army, and he realized or discerned that something was shadnez that he was sitting on. He determined. It means that, I'm only using it as a story, you know, because it's a beautiful. It's a misirut nefesh, it was a freezing night, he wouldn't sit as a result. I'm saying there are circumstances you'd have to quantify. I'm, you know, I'm. Just be wary. What's that? So of course is just wearing, which of course means, you know, you see his piety in doing so. You were at most a sapeh de Rabbanan in his situation. Anyway, that being the case, that's the suggestion of the Gemara. Now the Gemara gives one uh, similar, similar situation, v'chiha, and it's similar to de'amar ravhuna, it's similar to the statement of ravhuna, bere de rabhi hi this, he has a separate statement. We answered our question in the Gemara, now says the Gemara, you know, I have other cases where there was something that was hard, that was permitted. What was it? Hay namata gamada dinarash Sharia, period. A lot of uh, hard Aramaic words. Namata, Rashi, the top top line, at the end of the line. Namata beget shikorin feltera. I think it means felt. Felt is a hard, strong fabric. Okay, so that's what that first word means. Something made out of felt. Gamda, says Rashi. Kasha, so it's a strong, rigid felt. Something that's um, you know, used and not in a regular weaving way, but it's kind of squashed into each other. That's how you craft it. It's, uh, it's more rigid. Narash um, is the name of a place. So it means that the description is, if there's a garment which is made in narash out of felt which is rigid, sharia is permitted. What does it mean it's permitted? Rashi consistently says, it's permitted to sit on it. Because that garment doesn't provide the pleasure and benefit of of warmth, the rabbis didn't forbid it. You're a step ahead every time. The next line in the Gemara talks about socks. This is an item in the category of Kashim. This is an item in the category of Kashim. Now Rashi's... Because it eliminates the cold, it doesn't mean Interesting. I think you'd have to argue along those lines. As Kashim, when we talk about himum, we're talking about providing warmth, a purposeful warmth, as opposed to removing uh, cold. Uh, we'll talk about one or two uh, analogous uh, circumstances. Uh, very briefly, just to conclude with this, this interpretation of Rashi is actually disputed by Tosafot. Tosafot goes a step further in terms of permissibility. They suggest not the case we were talking about with regards to sending any hard clothing, but specifically this namatah, uh, this Gardad de narash. Uh, the words in the Gemara, and we're not going to go into depth, we'll, talk, we'll begin tomorrow with it, but the word, the last word on the second line is sharia. Sharia, we know that word, shiruyim lachem, it means it's permitted. If you're saying it's permitted, it doesn't sound like it's only permitted to sit on. It sounds like it's permitted even to put around you. So the, the claim of Tosafot from the diktuk on that word, just that it says Sharia. It doesn't say Sharia Yeshiva or mutar lea. And Tosafot says maybe there's something more for some reason over here. But ultimately speaking, we've resolved the question that the Gemara began with, and that was how is a big a shilkilei mutar to send on Yom Tov, specifically and only in a situation of... Kashim where it's rigid and as a result doesn't provide warmth and add to it as Rashi explained as Tosafot and Ben Hananel helped us with as well only because you're sitting on it if it's on top of you you still have a problem it's just sitting on it Min it's permitted even Min permitted